0: you know, I loved every minute of my life on the college campus. I spent 35 years in Christian education and higher education. I'd go back in a minute if I thought God wanted me there. But I came to a point in time there in my 50s that I thought, you know, I've accomplished here what I thought I was supposed to. It was just a sense of uh, a new chapter. And I could show you on the sidewalk where I was walking along when it just became apparent to me that probably now is the time to think about moving on. If the Lord opened the doors, when I then came in contact with this ministry called Sat7, felt like, wow, this is something that I could feel like I could have a contribution and impact.
1: Welcome. This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ideas in ministry, innovative approaches, and collaborative efforts. I'm your host, Dennis Weens, Vice President for Ministry Partnerships at Sat7USA. My guest today is Dr. Rex Rogers, author, speaker, and president of SAT-7 USA. So, Rex, welcome to this Unconventional Ministry podcast.
0: Thanks, Dennis. It's a privilege.
1: You know, I was just looking through some of your accomplishments. You published a book, Seducing America is Gambling a Good Bet. We could talk about that for a while. You wrote a second book, Christian Liberty, Living for God in a Changing Culture. There's a lot to talk about there, too. You've also, uh, working on another book, Be One of God's Unlikely Leaders, that's not published yet. You've written a couple e-books, you write a blog, and for about 16 years you were the voice of Making a Difference, a syndicated radio commentary on Christian perspective in wide-ranging religious, political, educational, social, cultural issues, and current events. So a lot we could talk about. But uh, most of your career has been spent in Christian higher education, and for the last 17 years of that, you were president of Cornerstone University. Of course, now, almost seven, almost 13 years now, you've been president of SAT-7 USA. So we're going to talk about that. But let's go back to the beginning. Coming out of college, what led you to this sense of calling to Christian ministry?
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things you go back when you're in grade school, in high school, I was a average athlete at best, you know, uh, guys like to be athletes, uh, I was average at best, but I was pretty good in the classroom, I just excelled, it just happened that way, and you begin to kind of follow that, which you do well, and when I was in college, I was especially attracted in a Christian college, I went to Cedarville University in Ohio, Uh, attracted to the professors and what they did, their commitment, their their scholarship, their ability to touch lives. And that's where I met my future wife, Sarah Stone, now Sarah Rogers, for 46 years. And, you know, it just became a sense of, I want to be a teacher. And if you're going to teach on a higher ed level, that means advanced degrees. And so for the first eight years of our marriage, right out of college, it was having two babies, and then it was getting the doctorate, and then it was having two more babies. So that's, that's the way we did it.
1: You know, after so many years as president of Cornerstone University, and I meet your graduates all over the country as I visit and speak in churches, uh, after so many years in higher education and president of Cornerstone, what prompted your move to an international nonprofit ministry like Sat7?
0: Well, you know, I loved every minute of my life on the college campus. I spent 35 years in Christian education and higher education. Uh, I'd go back in a minute if I thought God wanted me there. But I came to a point in time there in my 50s that I thought, you know, I've accomplished here what I thought I was supposed to. And it was just a sense of uh, a new chapter. And I could show you on the sidewalk where I was walking along when it just became apparent to me that probably now the time to think about moving on if the Lord opened the doors and I shared that with my wife and we prayed about it. And within a short time, we moved on of our own volition from the university. Uh, we worked for about a year and a half with a fundraising kind of a nonprofit fundraising consulting firm and nothing wrong with what they did, but I'd spent so much time on the other side of the desk. But when I then came in contact with this ministry called Sat7, Uh, the owner of that other firm said, you go out there to Maryland. I said, okay. So I went to Maryland. Uh, I met the staff. I uh, learned about the mission. I made one trip to the Middle East and Cyprus, fell in love with the mission, felt like, wow, this is something that I could feel like I could have a contribution and impact. And lo and behold, then the U.S. board decided to look for a new executive director or president. And I came home and said, Sarah, I don't know if this is it and no guarantee, but I'm going to put my hat in the ring and The Lord opened the door, and here we are 13 and a half years later.
1: You know, your world was the academic world, and you were president of a Christian university. So there's definitely differences from that world coming over to the not only nonprofit ministry, but the international nonprofit ministry. There's there's differences, but do you see any similarities?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think there are a lot of transferable skills, as I call them. Uh, You know, as you know, we do fundraising. Uh, We do communication and awareness. That's what Christian college presidents are supposed to do, get out and tell the public and the constituency about what's going on on the campus, and hopefully raise some funds. Uh, That's what we do for missions and ministry. Uh, So that much is very similar. But of course, what we do in the Middle East and North Africa, and what we do in satellite Christian broadcasting was very different for me. I had to learn how to present that, articulate it, share that mission motivate people. And of course, I loved learning about the Middle East, North African culture, cultures, I should put a plural on that, uh, about meeting staff, colleagues from literally 27 different countries working within that ministry. Uh, I never forget, I have to tell this little story, i never forget way early sitting in a board meeting over there in Cyprus and looking around the room and counting the people, men and women, I thought there's there's eight different countries represented sitting here talking about what the Lord wants us to do in Christian broadcasting. And I thought, wow, this is this is a God thing, you know, in the in the Middle East and North Africa, if anywhere. And I love meeting those folks, and was drawn especially to that ministry. So I learned how to I'd learn how to articulate it and how to present it in a way that is not offensive in an, unintentionally, in the sense that. You know, as you know, Dennis, we don't we don't say, hey, we're from America. We're here to bring Jesus to you. Well, you know, Jesus never left the Middle East and North Africa. The church is alive if suppressed and persecuted. It's alive and well and resilient. So you learn a lot from them. So how to present that in a way that inspires people to engage and then helps believers on the ground, what we call isolated believers there in the Middle East and North Africa. It's fantastic.
1: A lot of times we forget that Christianity started in the Middle East, and all through the centuries, God has had His church there to protect His Word and His church. In the West, we sometimes forget about that, so that's some of those similarities, but uh, you've definitely faced some differences coming into the international Christian ministry world. Uh, what are some of those major differences that you experienced?
0: Well, I think it's rel- It's never easy to raise funds. Um, but it's relatively easy, I think, comparatively, to engage people with their alma mater or with a college or university, for example, where they love the football team or the basketball team, uh, or they love some, something else, the music program. Whereas the Middle East and North Africa, we're talking about a region that most Americans haven't visited. We hear constantly negative reports virtually every day, certainly every week on the news in some sense, a very scary place, it's more difficult, more challenging to get our supporting friends, those that love the ministry, and give generously. It's more difficult to get them to go with us to visit the Middle East, because it's just, wow, a long way away and and kind of scary. And then I think in the American church, we've been rightly taught to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to love the Jewish people, to love Israel and what it's all about, So I often run into that of, hey, I've been to the Middle East three times. And I'll say, really, where? Israel. Where else? Israel. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then I'll say, hey, come go with me to Egypt or Lebanon. And like, are you kidding me? (laughs) That would be scary. Well, it's scary on both sides, but God's in charge. And he loves Jewish people. He loves Arabs. He loves Persians. He loves Turks.
1: Well, I know that in your 13 years with SAT-7, you've become much more of a missiologist, not just a higher education uh, you know, person, but uh, you've adjusted. And, I, of course, my world is the international. I grew up on the mission field and, of course, worked in Africa for 27 years and now 19 years with SAT-7. So let's uh, move on to something else. What are your thoughts— on one of the perennial debates dating to the early 1900s in the conservative Christian church, that is, our desire to engage in both evangelism and social concern. I know some ministries are focused on one side to the extent exclusion of the other. Some are social concern and, you know, minimal on maybe the evangelism. But how do we bring these two together? What's your thoughts on, I guess we could call it more, a holistic approach to ministry? And, of course, the vision of Sat7 is to see a growing church that's confident in its faith and in its witness, a church that's contributing to its culture and to its society. So how do we bring these two sides that have been a debate in the church for a long time now?
0: Uh, Yeah, more than 100 years, actually, and uh, dates back to the least – early 1900s when it split the conservative and liberal churches, the idea that somehow that if you're involved in evangelism, you can't be involved in social concern and social responsibility, or if you're involved in social concern, responsibility, or even politics, then you've left the faith somehow and you've left behind concern for evangelism. And as you said, there are extremes of commitment left and right to those things, evangelism or social impact, that do seem to leave behind or ignore the other side. But the idea of holistic ministry, or the way we used to say it in Christian higher ed, was, was Christian worldview, Christian philosophy of life and learning, uh, a a commitment to teach and live out the whole counsel of God, to use scripture phrasing, the whole counsel of God. So absolutely, we, we need to know who Christ is as Lord and Savior, as as the person who Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, his completed work, we can be forgiven from sin. We can uh, experience eternal life with him. But that's the start. That's the beginning. And there is discipleship. There is edification. There is growth. There is living in the world. And God said not to be of it, but to go into it. You know, we're still here. And that's the social concern, the Christian responsibility side. I actually taught a course as a very young professor before I got into administrative life, called Christian Social and Political Responsibility, developed that whole course. It was all about bringing together evangelism on the one count and how to do that in a meaningful and positive way that it glorifies God to share the gospel, and then also how to then transform, go beyond that, and affect culture, affect the lives of the people to help them uh, with the everyday concerns. Uh, In the Middle East, we have women who are female heads of households in cultures that do not give women much room to move, legally or otherwise. It's very difficult, very challenging. So they have a huge uh, kind of uh, uh, difficulty in just living their lives. So how do we help them? Uh, How do we help men to understand how they can lead their families without being chauvinists, without being dominant, without being physical in an abusive way to their wives? How can we help the church know how to minister in a region where the church is not often accepted, sometimes suppressed, sometimes, as you know, even persecuted? So, you know, those are the social sides uh, of what we do. And then children, uh, they need an education. They're growing up in the Middle East, wars and conflicts and destruction of facilities. How do we help those children gain an education in addition to sharing the gospel with them? Because without an education, they can't take care of themselves, and they're more subject to things like extremism. So, yeah, we're interested in the whole counsel of God. We're interested in integrating that. We're interested in presenting the Word of God as the Word of God is presented to us.
1: Right, and I think many times people think, well, if you're involved in education and some of these social concerns, you somehow compromise your biblical worldview, but that's not the case at all. It's blended. You, especially in the Middle East, what I've learned from uh, the people I know in the persecuted church and isolated communities is they learn to really live their faith. And as they live their faith, they can uh, be a tremendous witness and invest in their culture and their society and contribute. Uh, so it's, I've learned a lot from the persecuted church and the isolated communities and the work of SAT 7 across the Middle East and North Africa. Well, our time's going by very fast. I encourage, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, leave us a comment. And if you've been a student at Cornerstone University, leave Dr. Rex, uh, Rogers a uh, comment, uh, a high five or something. Uh, I talked to somebody yesterday, a pastor, and he said, Oh, yeah, I know Rex. He was, that was from my time at Cornerstone University. So <laughs> if you've uh, been to Cornerstone, uh, leave uh, Rex a comment there in comments. And if you like this, uh, share it with others. Maybe you know some other graduates of Cornerstone. Uh, share this podcast and then get, they can get an update on uh, Rex Rogers. So, Rex, let's uh, change now. I know, you know, in our roles in SAD 7, And I'm also uh, with SAD7, Rex is actually my boss, I'm Vice President for Ministry Partnerships. Uh, What we're about, we're a resource office for the Middle East Ministry, so we raise funds. We're fundraisers. Uh, We can say we help people steward their resources. But talk to us a little bit about this idea of fundraising. A lot of people don't like that task. A lot of uh, ministry presidents shy away from being the chief fundraiser of their organization. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about uh, this whole idea of fundraising ministry and the spiritual aspect of it.
0: Well, you said it right there, Dennis, fundraising ministry. Uh, we don't like to separate it. There are people who look at fundraising as, as the other, as some necessary evil. Uh, yeah, you got to have that department. You guys go raise the money, and we'll do the ministry. Well, we don't look at it that way at all first of all, we're involved in ministry. We're engaging with human beings. Uh, They're not ATMs. You know, they have problems. They have issues. They have goals. They have the direction of God in their life. Uh, God has given them resources for which they're responsible. Um, And then also, they have their own priorities, their desire to influence and be involved in ministry themselves. So, we can minister to those who actually give, They, in turn, can minister as they give and as they pray, and those who are out there doing the production, the operations of the actual ministry, in this case, video production, because we're, you know, satellite television and online video on demand, well, they're involved in ministry too, of course. So there again, you have that word holistic. It's all together. Uh, We couldn't be one without the other. Uh, It's, you know, one sat seven is a phrase we like to use, and it's a good one that our CEO uses a lot, and to remind us that we're all in this together, and that fundraising is, uh, I think, how God designed it. I think one of the reasons, by the way, God designed it that way, if we could figure out a way to fund our ministries without talking to Christians, we'd probably do it. And then we wouldn't have the support base of those who pray for us, those who hold us accountable, those who are also engaged. They wouldn't have the blessing of being involved directly in a ministry halfway around the world, I think that's, again, a way God designed it. And the small giver, you know, the dollar giver is just as important as the million-dollar giver because, again, I think God designed it that way. We're all in this so that no one can say, look what I did, you know. Uh, We can say, look what the Lord did and look at the resources that he provided. So I think it's a privilege to be involved in fundraising.
1: I know uh, we've raised our support to be a missionary, and, uh, you know, people have supported us for 30, 40 years. It's amazing. And I meet people from time to time and say, you know, we prayed for you for decades. Mm. And, you know, we think of fundraising, but it's really resource development because prayer is a a vital part of it. Of course, we need the financial income, but people talk us up as well, talk about the ministry, share about the ministry, encourage. And so there's a lot to— uh, fundraising besides just the financial component of it. So uh, we're running out of time, but uh, you started a podcast recently, Discerning What is Best with Dr. Rex Rogers. Uh, you've, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're an academic, you're an international uh, ministry president, and now you're a podcaster. You can add that to your list of things on your yeah. website. What has this experience been like?
0: It's been fun. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, We got on, started with this in mid-February, and you and I were talking even before that as you were ahead of me in this kind of process. I have learned, first of all, you have to learn how to do this. Uh, You have to learn why you're going to do this. You have to figure out who your audience is and, you know, the way you're going to approach it. The writing part for me was fairly simple because I've done that virtually my whole, you know, professional career. It's learning how to put all that together and then getting the tools to record uh, learning how to use, use GarageBand you know, on an Apple Mac. Uh, is was an amazingly uh, intuitive process and simple to do, just like when we learned iMovie, uh, to edit our own. So we're in a position now where I've got a microphone sitting over here and headsets, and I did this a couple of days ago. I can record and then edit and then post it all in an hour all by myself. I don't have to depend on somebody else. And I've had more fun more fun learning how to do this podcasting and then doing it than anything I've done professionally in a long time. So I've really enjoyed it. Hopefully it's valuable to people. Uh, Discerning what is best is taken from Philippians 1, 9, 10, and 11, verses I've used for many, many years about spiritual discernment or Christian critical thinking and what God wants us to do. He wants us to think. He gave us a brain. He didn't say, just follow me blindly He wants us to figure out how to live rightly in this world based on the principles and values that he gave us.
1: If you want to listen to uh, Rex's podcast, uh, Discerning What's Best with Dr. Rex Rogers, you can go to sat7usa.org slash podcasts, plural. There's two of them. I've also started one. It's called the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. And so each week I look for having a conversation with a, a ministry that has a fresh idea, or an innovative approach, or a collaborative effort. And so uh, look for the podcast there, both Rex's and my podcast is there. And again, uh, comments and sharing, we really appreciate that. And uh, you can subscribe to it as well, so you don't ever miss, uh, miss uh, an episode. Now, Rex, we want to wrap up by having people learn how they can pray for the ministry and uh, what are some, uh, you know, there's a lot of topics as you look at the Middle East, the hostilities, the isolated communities. There's a lot you, we could pray about. What, what's some of your top prayer requests that you could suggest to people on how to pray for Sat's heaven?
0: Well, again, if they watch much news or pay attention, they know that the Middle East, North Africa, maybe more than other regions of the world, experience what we call layered crises, layered crises, one on top of the other. So yes, they're still experiencing the pandemic. They have rampant inflation. They have corrupt and inept governments. uh, They have wars and conflict, and you can add a number of other things to that. So there's a constant battle there in that. But in and through that, of course, we want to share the good news. Uh, We want to share the gospel. There's more than 500 million people uh, in the Middle East and North Africa, those 24 countries. There's 335 million in our country by comparison. So how do we get the gospel to them? One of the ways we can do that is through free satellite television, air. I air. mean, it's free to anybody that kind of hooks up and, and is there, or video on demand. So pray for people that they'll hear, that they'll respond to the gospel. The gospel isn't just about salvation of individual personal lives. It is that. That's the critical part. But that transformative power, there's nothing more potent, no more potent message in all the world today. It affects everything. It affects how I live, how I treat my wife how I treat my children, how I live out in my culture, what my church might do, same in the Middle East. And so pray for the people of the Middle East that they'll hear the gospel, that they'll respond to it, that we'll be able to be faithful in that, as Sat 7. And um, Sat 7 is not about technology. We use technology, but we're about the message and about the Lord, and so that we might remain faithful to that. Gonna pray for that. And that the Lord would indeed send those who are resource partners. It's been amazing during the last two years of the pandemic and more. There were those of us of little faith that like, oh my goodness, what will happen? Well, the opposite has happened for most ministries, including SAT seven, where God has blessed over and above what we thought could happen as, as Christian people have generously responded. They want to be engaged. They see the fact that, you know, we could very well be in the end times and things are critical and there are isolated believers in need of our support in the in the body of Christ.
1: Very good. And I encourage you to get on our website, sat7usa.org. That's S-A-T-the-Number 7usa.org slash stories, and you can read some of these stories of uh changed lives. And you just remember, they're representative of hundreds, maybe thousands, tens of thousands of homes who are watching the broadcast, who are engaging this message, maybe for the first time. Uh, for Christians, they're being strengthened. For others, they're engaging a journey of faith. And just read some of their stories and then pray through those stories, and that would be an amazing way to engage with the ministry in the Middle East and North Africa. So, Dr. Rex Rogers, thank you for joining me, talking a little bit about your journey from the academic world to the international nonprofit ministry and to Sat7, who is unique as a Middle East broadcast media ministry based in the Middle East with the Middle East leadership, and it's a privilege for both of us to be a part of, and we encourage our listeners to learn more about what SAT 7s all about and the vision to make the gospel available to everybody in the Middle East and North Africa. We're on the track to make that a reality, so just appreciate everybody that's listening and the part you play in that. So again, Rex, thank you for joining me on this Unconventional Ministry podcast.
0: Thank you, Dennis. I tell people that you know more about missions than I'll ever know.
1: Well, thank you. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7 as a broadcast media ministry is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat 7 USA. Dot O-R-G, to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Mm-hmm.